new, can be thrilling, or it can be frightening. Most of the time, it's a little bit of both, if we're honest, particularly when we're talking about issues related to culture as it relates to ethnicity, as we're trying to understand one, one another better in our differences. But there is a call, uh, I think, that we can feel, even internally, that there has to be a new way. There has to be a new way to have these conversations. There has to be a new model uh, of understanding and connection human to human instead of issue to issue. Let me say that again. We need to move from issue to issue to human to human. That is the call. That is the new model. Because when we connect with one another human to human, we're still able to exist in the country together, exist in the world together, and still maintain the integrity of who we are as a person today uh, during this time in history. Remember, move from issue to issue to human to human in order to start to create a new way. You and I, we need to create a new way. We can't wait for it to fall into our laps. We can't wait for somebody else to figure it out. We must create it and we must create it starting today. Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. I'm so glad that you guys joined me again for the Culture Coach podcast. Thank you so much. What I'm going to share with you today uh, is actually a part of a teaching that I did, a training that I did uh, with a group. I think it was just last week. And this is one of the elements of a, uh, a workshop that I teach. And I figured today would be a really good day to share it with you uh, and just let you hear kind of what it was uh, during the time, right in real time. So what you're going to hear is a recording of a part of that teaching that I did. Uh, this part of the teaching is talking about becoming a new model. Uh, just like I said in the opener, becoming a new model for conversations about culture and race and ethnicity. So, uh, enjoy. Be a new model. Be a new model. Okay, let me pull this apart a little bit for us. Okay. I don't know if you've noticed or been aware, but our country, our beloved, beautiful country has an awful, awful model of how to talk about culture as it relates to ethnicity. I mean, can we all agree on that? Come on. I mean, when's the last time you watched something on TV or read something on social media or something and been like, you know what? That was the most encouraging conversation I have ever seen on race in America. 
you know, when's the last time that, you know, you've seen something like that in our country and been like, oh, wow, that is a style I'd like to adopt. It usually doesn't happen. Right. Because here here is how currently we talk about culture in America. OK, first of all, it's extremely binary. We either talk about black people or we talk about white people. That's it. Like there's no other people in the country. <laughs> right. There's no nothing else going on. But these two extremes and not only do we only talk about black people and white people, but we talk about black people and white people on the extremes of black people and white people, right? We forget everybody else in the middle, all right? And the other thing about our model is that we try to have a logical conversation about culture and ethnicity in America when we are on fire all the time, okay? So think about this. Our model so far has been we only talk about issues related to culture when something awful happens. It's not good, y'all. <laughs> right? I mean, think about that. Isn't that kind of the only time we really talk about it? You know, some event happens or somebody says something or somebody gets fired for something they say or so, whatever it is. And then when the nation is talking about these things, then we're like, let's have a great, lovely, human-to-human -human conversation about culture in America. It's terrible. And, and unfortunately, because that's been our model, those have been the seeds that, that the country has been planting, right? So what we wanna do in trying to be a new model is to have proactive conversations about culture and diversity, right? We need to be able to talk about these things and initiate these conversations during times where, where everybody is not on fire. Now, let me say that things are happening in the country and in the world all the time. We know that, right? That's, that, that's part, it's part of being alive. It's just there are things happening at all times. However, um, we tend to only talk about them when they're in the national media, right? And then now we've got the opinion and the biases and the blind spots of the media and agendas and social media and all that stuff now thrown into a human-to-human -human conversation that we could have had prior to that. So that's what we're trying to do here in trying to facilitate conversations, right? Let's, let's have the conversation when we're all not on fire. Um, and so that's the opportunity that is available to us. All right. The, the, the danger in only talking about these matters when things are bad, uh, is that, uh, we are beginning to practice this. And the more we practice it, the more it becomes who we are. So the very same thing can happen if we practice in a proactive way to say, how do we just have these things, these, these conversations all the time? So then when things happen nationally in our communities, we're talking about it, but it doesn't feel like the first time because we're talking about 
things all the time, right? Uh, I don't know how many of you are aware of this. I never make any assumptions, but, um, you know, we even have differences on the way that we talk about culture and ethnicity in the country, right? So for a lot of uh, non-majority folks, um, so in our country would be non-white American, we talk about culture and ethnicity all the time. Like, did you guys know that? We, we talk about it all the time. Like I told you, I'm 44 and there has never been a time in my lifetime that uh, I have been without the culture conversation. Now, here's the thing. We talk about it all the time, right? But here's the thing that's very important to know. When we talk about it, it's not always negative. Like a lot of the times it's very positive, right? We're, we're telling jokes. We're laughing about aspects of our cultural come from with each other. We're poking at one another. You know, sometimes it's hard stuff, particularly if somebody in your family has experienced uh, some racism or something like that. There's certainly stories about that. But just think about that for a minute, that non-majority folks, and I would venture to say, and I'm about to make a generalization, just to be clear, but I would venture to say um, people from the Asian American community, people from immigrant communities that have come here, that they are talking about their culture all the time. All right? So now hold that for a minute, along with most white Americans that I know, again, it's warning, warning, sweeping generalization, okay? But most white Americans that I know aren't always, they don't have that history of talking about culture and ethnicity all the time. Now, why is that, okay? So for a lot of people that I've run into, you remember when I was talking about how personal this is? Most people, if they come from a family or a community that they didn't particularly like the way that people talked about other people groups, a lot of times they want to be far removed from it. So they don't want to talk about it. Right. But then some people come from a space where to not talk about it was actually to respect it. Right? That's usually where you get the idea of being colorblind, right? The idea of being colorblind, the intention behind that is beautiful, right? And it's lovely. Essentially, what people are trying to say is, I just see people, right? But a lot of that comes out of not talking about culture as well. So you see what happens when you have one people group that may not talk about this at all, and then other people groups that talk about it all the time. So right there, we already have a potential barrier between how we communicate with one another when it comes to these issues, right? Now, I'm sharing this to you to let you know it's not right or wrong. It's just different. That's it. It's just different. Usually anybody who is part of uh, uh, majority culture um, many times does, doesn't have 
to necessarily have these conversations, right? I like to explain it this way about majority culture and, and non-majority culture. And, and this might be helpful. Um, so think of it this way. Majority culture in the United States is a required course for everyone that is not part of the majority. Non-majority culture in the United States is an elective for people from the majority culture. Does that make sense? Okay, now, here's sometimes the hard part, but this is really important for you to know and you'll figure out, I'll tell you why later. But if you are part of the majority culture, in this case, white American, it's very important that you know that you are a culture group, that you are an ethnicity too, right? The difference is, is that we refer to your culture group as normal. You tracking with me? Now, I'm sure most of it, we don't wish it was like this, right? But just know that, that oftentimes, um, some, sometimes things, like for instance, I'll share this with you. Um, when I was nine, uh, the women in my family decided to relax my hair. Okay, we call it a perm too, but it doesn't make it curly. It makes it straight. Okay. Now you guys have probably seen my hair out, right? And it's, it's natural. We call this as natural, right? But for most of my life, my hair was relaxed straight. You know why? Because the women in my family wanted to make sure that I could get a job. I had to know majority culture and at some level, and most non-majority folks have to do this. Um, we oftentimes have to change to fit a bit of majority culture in order to survive in the world. We, we could understand this, uh, take ethnicity out of it. Let, let's talk about language for a minute. So all of us on the call, I, I'm gonna make an assumption, we all speak English, right? We live in the United States, we speak English. I am part of the majority in America because I speak English it's my first language I don't have to learn Korean to survive right I don't I live in America we speak English I could go some travel somewhere else and not have to speak Korean right because I speak English but the opportunity is I get to as a part of the majority step into the culture and the experience of somebody else and learn some Korean, right? So we've sang Korean a couple of times, you know, at church. I don't have to do that as an American worship leader, but I choose to because I want people to know that I see them and that I can learn somebody else's culture even though I'm part of a majority English-speaking culture. And even as you, you enter into conversation with different kinds of people, you just have to know this. It's not something you need to feel shame about or feel guilty about or feel bad about. You can't do anything about it. 
right now, okay? But you do just have to be aware of it, okay? Because that's gonna make, it's gonna make you a better facilitator in diverse groups. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.